He's James T. Kirk. Don't you read history? What did you say your name was? Captain Jean-Luc Picard of the USS Enterprise. Which one of you is the captain? Violate the treaty, Captain. Red alert! All hands, battle station! This is Captain Kirk. Incorrect. Can we just get down to it, please? Prepare to attack. All hands, battle station. Gardner and Chris Honeywell. Hello and welcome back to Star Trek Monthly Monday. I say welcome back because this is a, this is a part two of sorts, I guess. We have split Star Trek Monthly Monday into Star Trek the Classic series now known as 1701 and the next generation now known as 1701d so this is star trek monthly monday number 28 1701d is that confusing enough for you awesome <laughs> i'm sure so, we'll find a way to make it to add more to it as time goes on and make it more confusing for everybody that voice yourselves that voice is chris honeywell and i am scott gardner Hey, um, How's it going, dude? Um, okay. <laughs> oh, just, you're bringing the dumb this episode. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I figured we'd trade off. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this time around, with the split, and, and we're as you can hear, we're kind of fumbling out of the gate here. This is a whole new idea for us. We're just going to see how uh, see how this goes, see how you guys enjoy it. But we're excited about it. We are going to be covering two episodes of The Next Generation. We're still going to be going in order and everything. We're just going to be knocking out two at a time. So the first one we have up is... Uh, what's the name of this one? When the Bow Breaks? When the Bow Breaks. The Wesley Will Fall. Oh, I wish. <laughs> And down will come Wesley, turtleneck and all. <laughs> Gay pride sweater and all. <laughs> next time on Star Trek, the next generation. Saucer section reports six more children are gone. Wesley and the children of the Enterprise become kidnapped victims. You've just committed an act of utter barbarity. In a desperate plot to rebuild a dying planet. We want to go home. I will never let her go. The mysterious alien defenses. Shields inoperable, sir. Leave the crew helpless to save them. 
on Star Trek, the next generation. All right, so this one aired. I just want to mention one of my greatest Photoshop triumphs of all time was sticking oh. your head on Wesley Crusher's your your te- your teenage you know school school portrait head on top of Wesley Crusher's. What what I, I I just love it, man, because I saw that picture and I'm like, man, it's it's he's got the Wesley Crusher syndrome on that. But then when you look at the picture, the school picture, you're wearing your 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 Luke Skywalker Jedi shirt, <laughs> and I was like, oh man, I gotta stick Luke Skywalker's head on this shirt because it's like that, you know, that those '80s shirts with the triangle that sort of that would snap. Uh, uh, it was just priceless man i just I had to it, glo- i just had to gloat over that triumph i think it's a testament to to our our over 30 years of friendship that i'm even still <laughs> fucking talking to you after that because that was just not that just hey. was, it was wrong hey you but it was you, very funny I, i'll just say this you you know that i'm a good friend because there are pictures that i could have put out by now from that time period <laughs> that you know I mean, in just in the in the by the laws of humor of the universe and stuff, I should have goddamn well put those out years ago. <laughs> that shit should have hit the public years ago, man. Because oh my god, yeah, yeah. But no, I won't do it because I know I know it's just too painful for you. <laughs> Which that's I'm sure wetting everybody's appetite even more. And I gotta tell everybody out there. Oh yeah, it's 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 as bad or and or good as you can imagine. <laughs> and not that I'm not willing to put those pictures of myself out there <laughs> with my with my checkoff haircut, you know, <laughs> every now and then. So. But that's all I'll say about that. All that's right. all I have to say about that. You are a bastard. All right, so, When the Bow Breaks aired the week of February 15th, 1988. Why does that date stick in my mind, February 15th? Hmm. I think that may have been an ex-girlfriend's birthday. I forget. Anyway. I had a girlfriend whose was Feb 4. That's how I remembered it. <laughs> Feb 4 like the Fab 4? Yeah. Very cool. All right. So here we go on this awesome, awesome episode. The Enterprise stumbles across the planet Aldea, a world completely cloaked from outsiders by a powerful force shield. But the find is no accident. The seemingly friendly Aldeans kidnap seven youngsters, including Wesley, from the ship to uh, perpetuate perpetuate their race. Parents begin uh, to panic. Why can I not read tonight? Parents begin to panic as all attempts at negotiations fail. Screw you. <laughs> <laughs> the Aldeans convince. The problem Sound I'm having out, here. Sound it out. Slow down. The problem Sound I'm having is that my computer area is much smaller in the new house than it was at the old house. Yeah, so that's I'm what fighting for space. I'm trying to simultaneously you're for space sp- in your brain is what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> trying to simultaneously speak into the microphone and look to my left as I'm reading this. Uh, you know, I I have and to scratch your nuts you. at the same time. <laughs> 
and look at porn and hold this. Well, never mind. Yeah. The problem is, you know, with all appara- uh, apologies to Larry uh, Nemesek or Nemacek, however the hell you pronounce his name. I like this book. I like the Next Generation Companion. I just don't like the synopses that are in here. I ought to just go back to writing my own, but I, I am at heart a lazy bastard. Lazy. So, yeah. yeah. I, I understand. <sighs> but I'm really not happy with the synopses in this book, I have to be honest. Anyway, parents begin to panic as all attempts at negotiations fail. The Aldeans convinced they are permanently sterile, stubbornly offer only to trade for the children. As a show of force, their defense systems knock the Enterprise three days distance in one bolt. Uh, But there, Wesley finds holes in the Aldeans' technology. Their age-old custodian supercomputer shows wear and tear, and no one now knows how to maintain it. A secret scan by his mother shows the race is dying from radiation poisoning due to an ozone leak caused by their shield. When Wesley organizes a hunger strike, Picard and Dr. Crusher are asked down to the planet for help. Riker and Data use the opportunity to secretly beam into a computer center. And, backed with control of the cloaking shield, the Enterprise crew is finally able to convince the Aldeans of the nature of their true problem. Picard pledges UFP aid to help them regain their ecology and their health. And they all lived happily ever after. Well, at least in this one, they at least, you know, started to work them away from their sterility instead of just leaving them to die. <laughs> I know, I was thinking about that too. Uh, I, you know, I, I can't decide whether I think that that's... That, that gives Picard the edge up or that it makes Kirk that much more cool. You know, I really can't decide because there, there's a part of me that, that kind of likes the, well, fuck you guys, I'm out of here mentality. I really do like that. I, I like cowboy nipl- diplomacy. I really do. So, but, you know, it, it is the nicer thing to do, I guess, but... You know, it, it's funny, too, because when you look at it, I, I think that the Aldeans were that much bigger pricks than the uh, Scalosians, really, because, you know, they, they took these, they took the kid. They took their jobs. Yeah. And, you know, they, they took our kids. <laughs> they took our kids. And they, you know, they basically were, you know, they, Picard couldn't really do anything about that. You know, I, I mean, what was the worst that was going to happen in, in the in the TOS episode we're comparing. I mean, Kirk was accelerated and, and he couldn't supposedly couldn't go back to his normal life. He was going to have to go live with these. I mean, that was it, right? Yeah, he was going to have to live his life out as a stud horse, basically. What a terrible, terrible fate for Captain although Kirk. Although there was pretty much hinted that his life wasn't going to be that long because of his sped up metabolism. That it right, would yeah. Be a short life, but it would be filled with humping. Well, plus that you had Kirk, the whole threat of you know if he if he what was it got a cut or a scrape or something then then he would accelerate and die right. you know, pretty quickly. So I don't know. And a man of action like Kirk is, yeah, he's always getting a little. He's always like putting the back of his hand to his lip and seeing the blood on there from just getting punched. So yeah, he wouldn't have lasted long. I suppose at heart, I am a terribly predictable kind of guy. 
you know, I, I, I'm not deeper complex. So I imagine that a, a sizable portion of our audience probably expects what I'm going to say next. But I'm not going to disappoint them. I'm going to say it anyway. Much like the episode that came before it uh, a little ways back. Uh, I forget the name of it off the top of my head. The one where, uh, you know, Wesley tripped and fell on the flower bed and they uh -huh. were going to uh, execute him. I don't see what the fucking problem here is. I just don't. These assholes want Wesley Crusher, and they're going to keep him on their little, little Bermuda Triangle planet for the rest of their lives? Good all the other kids know. are a little obnoxious, too, so they yeah. can all go, yeah. You know why that is, don't you? A couple of those kids were actually uh, uh, Will Wheaton's uh, siblings, so oh. you know, got that annoying gene, I guess. But, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I say that facetiously, but I'm actually kind of serious. You know, here's two opportunities right in the first season, golden opportunities that Picard misses to take out you know, in the long run, I've come to feel that Wesley, it's its not the Borg, it's not the Romulans, it's not the Cardassians that are Trek's, you know, next-gen Trek's biggest enemies. I've come to really feel that it's Wesley Crusher. And here's two golden opportunities, one where they wanted to kill him, one where they just wanted to kind of take him off somewhere, which is ultimately... Yeah, somebody actually wanted him. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> you know, well, we're not having any of that. Yeah. Ugh. Um, I've got a ton of notes. I'm going to let you run first on this one. Um, As usual, it seems I like it a little bit more than you. I mean, I don't, I'm not crazy about this episode. I think, um, I think, um, as, as was last month, I think it's, I, I, I like to, I, I like to describe or think of these episodes as like workmanlike <laughs> crafted Trek shows. You know, they have, they, they don't have. It's it's not pulse pounding entertainment, but it's a it's like an interesting concept. It's a, a what if concept. What if this happened? How would they deal with it? And then it's dealt dealt with in either a predictable or unpredictable or with a twist or something. But it's just sort of like your your standard next generation Star Trek style story. You know, it's got got a little drama but the, it's mostly about how does this problem get solved and and there's a little bit of a moral um at the end of it but um that being said you know it wasn't like a painful experience to watch um troy <laughs> is actually um actually does you know put some in is fairly useful in this one she actually gives some useful insight in oh, a sort of obi-wan kenobi way although i completely disagree well i i we're, well i'm grading on a curve okay <laughs> compared to the other shows all right i'm not saying that she's like actually worth what they her salary or whatever they do in those days they're beyond money then they're whatever her her rent for her you know, her cabin or whatever, but she, you know, I mean, I, I can't recall the exact lines, but she actually does, you know, she does fill in something beyond just the obvious, you know, just beyond sort of, you know, echoing the, the, what is right there on the surface that anyone could see anyway. Right. But, um, there's she a, has a line at the beginning of this where she says, Captain, I'm sensing thousands of minds. And he says, from where? What? And she goes, very close. And I just, I was like, thank you, Miss Useless. Well, you know? That's why I said she's fairly useful in an Obi-Wan Kenobi sort of way. That was her, the, that was her Obi-Wan Kenobi. 
line. There, there were there was some weird cuts in this. I think they had some problems with maybe like some of the shoots didn't go right. There's just a weird cut when Wesley first sneaks in to see the custodian, and there's a, um, yeah, it's just it, it's strange. And then I thought about this, you know, why didn't why didn't these guys instead of you know instead of just being dicks and causing an in, it maybe just because they could they had the power to just actually do it right although they really didn't why didn't they do something like say they're obviously a very intelligent super intelligent race <coughs> why didn't they think it through and say hey Starfleet. Do you guys have any orphans that you need, you know, to take, <laughs> we'll take them off your hands, you know. We, we we will teach them the secrets of the universe and, you know, we're, we we really want kids, you know. I mean, what a awesome – I mean, when you see those little kids uh, and if, if that was me and all of a sudden they were giving me all these awesome art tools and stuff, I might be like that little girl. I might be, uh, you know, starting to think, hey, you know what? Fuck mom and dad. This is this thing is cool, you know. I I kind of like it here in godlike world, you know. I mean, I I was thinking this isn't such a bad deal for these kids. As a matter of fact, it is a great opportunity. The only thing that that makes it uh you know that sours the deal that scuttles the deal is that they already have parents. So I mean, you know. I, there's still got. I mean, just because it's the future doesn't mean they've eliminated orphans. You can't eliminate orphans because parents are going to die every once in a while in some sort of horrible accident. What do you think they eat in the future? And I mean, yeah, they, well, that's right, soylent orphan. But uh, <laughs> they, you know, there might be a mm. <laughs> taste like loneliness. Um, there might be, you know, I mean, there's just galaxies full of orphans that these guys, you know, that these guys could have, it would have been a great uh, opening to start, you know, meet Starfleet and everything. And they could have, they could have been, had all the kids they wanted tossed their way who were looking for, you know, who don't have parents who are looking for someone to, to, to uh, adopt them. So, uh, you know. It doesn't. We're it doesn't looking, bear looking up to nub. scrutiny yeah. at all. The story doesn't at all, really. No, it doesn't. But it. But if you don't, if if you don't look at it that deeply, eh. <laughs> it is a. It's a workmanlike, just sort of generally decent Star Trek episode. This is. I. I remember thinking this in the first, this first season when I originally saw it going. I can see they're maintaining a general level of quality that's not fantastic, but it's acceptable for a weekly show. And then they have, and then they have a bunch of shows per season that they put a lot of effort into, and are you know so they have sort of an A tier and a B tier of shows. And this right. Is a, this is a B tier Star Trek show, but even on that level, I'm not as critical of the first season. I think as a lot of people were. I was. I, I, I think it pales in comparison to upcoming seasons. But when it came out, I remember being like, you know, this is acceptable Star Trek to me. And that was a big deal. You know, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't, uh, I was very excited about Star Trek coming back. But man, I was skeptical, especially right. when, when I saw that LeVar Burton was involved. Because I just, I I like actually, you know, it's it's a testament that, um, I like the character of Jody LaForge. 
he doesn't drive me nuts because LeVar Burton drives me nuts. I just want to punch him in his nicey nice face. <laughs> uh, you know, when I, he, what was, what was reading rainbow? Rain, reading rainbow. I, yeah. I, you, you, you have covered this point fuck. before. <laughs> Rage. <laughs> um, I know you didn't mean it as a dig, but I, I think it's worth clarifying that, you know, I'm not a, a season one hater either. I, I, I'm really not. I, I find lots to love in this first season. I think it gets, uh, unfairly dogged however again you know in the in the interest of uh honesty here i think this episode sucks i really do and it's part of it's the story part of it's my anger that captain picard wasn't just like okay no problem and flies away <laughs> you know because you know what's the worst he's gonna have to deal with you know what uh, what's your name's gonna be sad for a while but you know here's his probably uh, you know probably works to his advantage in the long run here's his chance to console her and get in her pants eventually yeah. so yeah but i i, I don't ta- when you make those arguments i don't take them as seriously because when you take that argument at the real level it is the real level is you're angry that you should be the writer <laughs> you should have been <laughs> writing star trek at that time no no I, because I, there's I, no way they would have been like i know right, no of course of i'm Wesley. of course i'm kidding but no, but, no, uh, dude, you would have written a great episode where Wesley gets left behind on that <laughs> planet. I would have loved it, but... Well, ultimately, though, that is what happens to Wesley, that that a, a super being comes down says, uh, hey, I like Wesley, can I take him away to alternate dimensions? And they're like, yeah, sure, go ahead. So, you know, come on, in, in the long run, that is what happens. So, you know, I, I think to a certain yeah, degree, maybe, and I'm being very facetious about it, but in re- a certain degree... That yeah. they blew their opportunity here and said, exactly. okay, well, maybe there's... Hey, don't worry about it. There's more than one, you know, super consciousness being in the universe. Right. We'll find somebody else who'll want to whisk him away one of these days. But ultimately, I was really kidding about that. My bigger, my biggest problem with this episode, I find the acting to be just abysmal in this one. It's, it's, and I'm talking about the primaries, you know, the, uh-huh. the, 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 the central crew. They're just, I don't know if they were hamming it up. I don't know if they were half-assing it. I don't know what, but it comes off as just ultra cheese through the whole damn episode. It was like they just weren't taking it seriously. Um, but uh, here, here's here's a few quick things. Uh, right off the bat, in the teaser, I noticed that there's something in the turbo lift when Riker boards it. And it looks like, it looks a hell of a lot to me like a tripod leg. And I just know I tried to get a better look at it. I kept rewinding it and zooming in and everything. I, I couldn't make that out. out. Well, it's probably yeah. a tripod leg off a light or something. Yeah, like that's that. thinking like a light stand or something. You know, when the, the point you can see it is after um, Riker walks away for, and he shakes his head a little bit as the, the father scolds the son. He walks and he gets into a turbo lift right at that point. You can see some, it's on the right hand side of the turbo lift door there. It looks like a tripod leg. Um what else do we got here? Just the the whole shitter. The, or, yeah, the whole shitter. The whole uh, uh, teaser is shitty. I've never know, seen the shitter in the Enterprise. The, I'd the like to see what it's terrible. like. The whole opener is shitty is what I meant to say. Um, the whole shitter's total, opener? There's a whole... Uh, there's a total lack of believability to their awe. You know, the, uh, uh, Riker makes the analogy of this planet's uh, mythical status being like Atlantis. It's Magrathia. So, yes, you know, exactly. If you and I were looking out into 
the Atlant, you know, if we were standing on the Jersey shore and all of a sudden Atlantis rose up out of the ocean, I think we'd be pretty fucking impressed by that. Yeah. I think we'd that's probably essentially what shit our pants actually. Yeah. And that's what ha essentially happens here. They're standing there looking at the view screen and all of a sudden, you know, the planet Atlantis decloaks in front of them. They just don't seem terribly impressed about it. You know, it's all very analytical and I don't know. It just, I don't buy it. It just comes off as just silly. Um, I thought the actress in this, the, the young, really cute one, she reminded me a hell of a lot of the girl that, uh, Jordy would romance on the hollow deck way later in the series. I don't think it is her, but they do look very similar. I thought she was cute. I thought she was a very attractive girl. Um, oh man, this is one of my biggest nitpicks. All right. Correct me if I'm wrong. I, I, I can't remember if the planet, if, um, or rather not the planet, but, uh, Picard and Riker, if they give the planet clearance to, to take Riker, but they take Riker, they just beam him right off the bridge. And then they snag two more people. Now, nobody had picked out a landing party ahead of, ahead of time or anything, you know, no, no decision were made. These people just like reached up to the enterprise and snagged officers right off the bridge. Picard just looks around and goes, interesting choices. And the scene changes. I was just like, what the fuck? Red alert, you asshole. They just snagged. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? That's a t-shirt right there. Red alert, asshole. <laughs> I'm serious, dude. I mean, is that not something? And, and, I'm know, surprised like you just didn't surrender on the spot. Yeah, uh, that really did bother me, though. Interesting I mean, choice. I surrender. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just a scene or two later um dr crusher has the great line they've taken my son and i just yelled out loud at the time good <laughs> <laughs> and then as we go to commercial somebody says something about i think it's rikers says something to the effect of you know well they wanted the children or something the card says and that's what they have dun 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 and they go to commercial and i was just like oh my God, is that <laughs> it was so cheese. Um, I really hope that the old wifeless music musician dude isn't the creepy pedophile he really comes off as in this episode. Cause you know, he's just got this shit eaten grin when um what's the dude's name? Ragu or whatever hands over the little yeah, girl. Carmine, the big ragu. <laughs> and then a little bit later the first scene it shows of those two together and he's teaching her how to use the musical instrument yeah. he says something and it was i mean you could totally take it perverted it was something like hold it here more firmly or something like that yeah. and i was just like this is so wrong how did Put somebody a more feeling into it look exactly. me in the eyes right. <laughs> yeah. Did they not try at least once to use the goddamn phasers or the photons? Or I don't remember them ever trying to poke holes in that shield. Did they, or did they just I figure? I, I doubt it. I don't. I, I think they'd be too pussy to take any shots just on the sheer fact that the kids were down there. Yeah, I guess. What if? What if the one in a billion chance that we ignite their atmosphere and wipe out the planet, and we take the children too? You know, it was. It's the whole King Kong. Don't shoot. You might. You might kill the blonde. It's I, like. I, Really? King Kong's yeah. just killed 500 people in America in the, in New York City and you're worried about one blonde? Just 
blow them up. That was on TV the other night too in the break room when I was on a break, and it was at the part where uh, where Kong. You know, it's the Which new one, the original the, or the, no, the new one, the newest one. Uh-huh. And it was the part where Kong was was chasing the the boyfriend. You know, through New York. You know, that was really cool. And I was yeah. watching. I was like, damn, I need to watch this movie again because that part was actually pretty neat. Anyway, back to this. It, you know, I, I really I try to keep the Kirk Picard comparisons to a minimum. I really do struggle with that. But it's it's episodes like this that just it's like, damn it, do something. Uh, yeah, his balls haven't dropped yet. They start no, dropping. They, they no. drop later on. Yeah. Well, you know, he he has a line in here. I think he says it to the parents. I forget. I just wrote down just random notes here. But Picard has a line at some point during the episode. Somebody says, you know, what are you going to do or what's your plan or something? And his answer is keep them talking. And I'm thinking, yeah, dude, you're good at that. You're good at the talky talky. Now it's time to beam down and give them the Kirk, you know? Come on. Every once in a while, you just, you know, I realize, like you say, they don't want to do something that's going to go horribly wrong and they fry the atmosphere or something. Right. But you know, Every once in a while, I imagine Kirk did shit like that, and he's just like, "Okay, y'all, just just shut up, be cool about this. We're gonna fly off to the next mission, and just you know, don't 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 say anything." You know, come on, Kirk. You know, Kirk did shit like that. It's awesome. That's what makes Kirk Kirk. That's why I love him, and that's why I give Picard. Yeah, well, his first well season it's called. You know what that's called? Job security. <laughs> All right. Because if you don't fucking drop off Khan on that planet, you don't got no Star Trek two later on. Right. All right. So you got to, you know, all those guys are going to come back and give you a new episode or movie someday. So, you know, think about that, Picard, you dick. He tries to fix everything up in that episode, and then you're done with them. They can never get their bloody revenge on you. I know you never watched any DS9 or anything, and I'm not even sure that that's the series, but I know we see that uh, custodian room again. I uh, want to say that it's like a it's like a Cardassian base or something. Uh, somebody write in or call in or something and let me know where we see. I I know I've seen that room again in another episode somewhere. Also, here's another uh, thing for the audience. Any anybody out there that's gonna one day write comics, write novels, make TV shows, make motion pictures, whatever? Please throw me this bone, will you? Please. This this drives me nuts in all those mediums when somebody has a crystal ball or a magic computer or whatever, and they do this. All right, there's the part where Wesley's talking to the custodian. He says, show me Harry. Computer cuts to Harry. Mm -hmm. Harry's sitting there playing with whatever the hell he's doing. Just once, please, dear God, I want to see a scene like this where he goes, show me Harry, and it switches and Harry's on the shitter. Just one time I want to see that. (laughs) Or there's some big fat hairy guy on the shitter, and it's some different hair. No, not that hairy, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I just think that would add a little realism. You you never or have see the computer that. go. Who the fuck are you? You're not allowed to look at Harry. You can't just look in on him. He's taking a dump. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm reporting you. <laughs> that uh, repulse. I didn't realize this. Um, but watching this episode, I was like, hey, I, I, I recognize this uh, effect, that repulsor effect where it throws the Enterprise across space and it does a little spinny thing around and then it like slowly falls back into real space and all that. That's used again. Um, is it next season? 
trying to remember if that's a season two episode. Anyway, Q Who, the first one with the Borg. Yeah. Where Q snaps his fingers and throws him across the galaxy. Same effect. Well, that happens. Cool. They get thrown across the galaxy a lot. I was sort of thinking about this. Is that sort of how like superior in next generation, a superior society, you know, in, in the old school, it was like a big hand would come out and grab the Enterprise and stuff. Here they, they toss them halfway across the universe or three days away or something. And I wondered why that was because it shows up a bunch of times in the next generation. And I'm thinking it it's like one of the only ways they could think of that was kind of nonviolent, you know. That would sort of, I think Roddenberry was really going for the nonviolent right. thing. And instead of like, you know, like blowing the ship half away and going, well, we, we could have destroyed you completely or something like that. Or making half the crew disappear or turn into hamburger or something, which might be a way one of those societies would do it. It's, <laughs> it's, you know, it's that that just is, a, is and it also is a story element that, that gives the enterprise it adds you know tension because now they have to travel back to where they were before you know so uh, but, but i notice that gets used like multi i haven't seen every next generation episode but i know i've seen that happen at least three or four times right in the episodes that i have seen i've seen i mean this is the second time it's happened so far in the first season isn't it so they got they got well, the traveler took them, you know, to you know that weird, you know, think about it, and it becomes right. real, you know, sort of galaxy mis- or whatever mistaken. the hell. But there was another part where somebody just like chucked them, chucked them at some point earlier in here too, where you know, they they pissed somebody off, and all of a sudden they were you know halfway across the universe, and some, and you know, you could hear their voice going, "See, Captain," blah blah blah. But, I don't remember. Yeah, you're probably right. I just don't remember. And it's only going to get worse as we have more and more episodes to sift through to remember. At least with these next generation, we're going in order so we at least can figure out which ones we have and haven't seen yet. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you know, I, I'm going to skip ahead one note here. You you had talked about the nonviolence thing. Maybe that explains this. Um, somebody needs to inform Commander Riker and, and Data your commando mission isn't a commando mission if you don't take phasers with you. Because they beam down to the planet in that one part where they're supposed to, I don't know what the hell they're even supposed to do, capture the custodian or take out the bad guys or something. They don't have phasers. I was like, what the hell kind of commando mission is this? They can't even defend themselves. I just thought that was really, I don't know if it's an oversight or if it was intentionally written that way or what, but that was kind of dumb. I... I you know. Well, Data in himself is sort of a weapon, but still, yeah. Yeah, but only so much, you know. I don't know. I thought it. I thought that was really kind of a glaring uh, oversight myself. But again, that you know, I I'm wondering if that's maybe if we can attribute. Kids. Yeah. Yeah, you know, if we can attribute that to uh, uh, Roddenberry's, you know, peacenik tendencies or something. I don't know. But you know, I can't hate this episode because it does have one must see moment in it that just i loved it i you know you see lol all the time on the internet well i literally lol over this yes this cracked me up and i don't know whether to attribute it to writing in the actual episode you know if data was intended to do this or if it was the actor brent spiner just kind of ad-libbing but there is a great moment in this 
where he's, you know, Picard's constantly pissing and moaning because they can't seem to do anything about the shield. And he says something to Data and Data says, uh, oh, that's not possible or something like that. Picard delivers the most idiotic line in the episode. He says, things are only impossible until they're not. And Data just totally gives him a, the fuck does that mean? <laughs> it's a great look. I mean, it's just good one, Yoda. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you've got to see it. You've got to see that scene and see the look that Data gives him because it's a total, you know, just one of these like stunned it's a looks. WTF? Like, uh, yeah, it was a WTF, exact... and then you like LOL'd. Yes, ex- that's exactly it. That is precisely it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I loved. You were like the... OMG. <laughs> no, I wasn't like, like WTF, OMG. and then you were like LOL. <laughs> that set piece at the end was awesome, and it totally reminded me of Deep Thought from the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Uh-huh. It really did, and I, I kept looking at that, going, "Do we see this again?" Because, you know, they, they seldom would let a really great set piece like that not get recycled at some point. So I'm thinking we may see it again, but I, I couldn't place it. But I was impressed, you know, for, for what I consider a pretty shit episode, had a great set piece at the very end of it when they went into the big supercomputer. That was neat. I like that. That was cool. And, uh, you know, like we said in the beginning, at least the Federation actually helped these assholes, you know, rather than just abandoning them to their right. fate. And that was pretty much all I got. I I really didn't like this episode, though, despite having <laughs> a lot of funny notes about it. Well, it's like one of those ones, if we didn't do a show about it and talk about it, it would be one that I'd be like, I, I, I could sit there and like, you know, have have my dinner in front of me watch it, eat a nice dinner and go, Oh, that, that wasn't so bad. That was a pretty good episode of star Trek. And then within a week, I've totally forgotten what happened in it. You know, I didn't remember this one at all. Right. I didn't, I totally didn't remember anything about it, you know, by the name or even, even after it started, I couldn't really remember. It wasn't until they took the kids that I was like, okay, yeah, I think I kind of remember this one, but I honestly, I, I really didn't remember it well at all. I I remember, I remembered it because I remembered it, I, I, what I got out of it was that I liked about it the most of you know of a generally bland episode was I I thought the kids were generally kind of like pretty bad actors in it but you know they're little kids they were like little kid hey. actors but I like how it was written how you know like the young you know they they thought about it like the younger girl she was you know. At first, it looked like, oh, the younger girl might want to stay, you know, because she's young enough that she's dazzled by this. But, you know, the, the psychology of the kids was correct. Just the acting wasn't there. And I liked how, you know, Wesley Wesley rose to his Starfleet training and was organizing the kids and keeping them together and, you know, explaining to them how they had to act so they would understand it, you know. And I thought that was... That's that's one thing I've noticed in the next generation is they portray conflict resolution as being, you know, more advanced in the future. If you consider more advanced, you know, sort of that um, counseling mediator sort of attitude about it, you know, 
right. where everybody ta- talks it out and talks about their feelings. And as far as that goes, I thought it played out. I thought that aspect of it played out well. The how how Wesley organized the kids and how he he sort of put them on strike and and how he he communicated to them. I thought that was pretty well done. But all in all, yeah, it's a it's a bland. Bland, it's a generic TNG episode, which with all those seasons, with with the the number of shows, you know, compared to the number of shows of the original series, I think they both operate on about the same level of like great shows, terrible shows, and normal workmanlike shows. Right. So this is on the workman. It, to me, this is on the workman level. It, it sounds like to you, it's on the workman um, bordering on, if not tipping into the bad episode. Right. So. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't sort know. Of like it's... the last episode we did. Actually, we had very similar reactions. Yeah. To the last episode. Well, all day long, because I just watched this, you know, th- this morning, and all day long, it was bugging me about ragu where the hell had i seen this guy before because he, he kept striking me as somebody i should know or somebody i should recognize and i, I kept thinking I, I, even from like another star trek episode or series or something and it finally hit me who he is did you ever see the one it was a two-parter and i think it was a season finale season opener in one of the the later seasons of the show it was the one where they find data's head back in time and then they end oh, up meeting yeah. up with um with mark twain yeah did you ever see that one yeah but he he played mark twain oh. in those two episodes that yeah i knew i knew the guy but you know of course he's made up you know when he's playing mark twain you know he's got the white hair and the bushy mustache and all that and uh so he was made up but i i kept looking at him through this whole episode going damn i know that guy from somewhere and uh and it finally hit me and I was looking here in um, in the the companion, just kind of looking over what notes they have, and uh, and it does confirm it here. It says uh, Time Zero. That was the name of it. Time Zero. He played uh, Mark Twain. Because you know, more and more, I've really I've really been trying to just go off the cuff and off the top of my head. You know, and sometimes I'll go and confirm things or maybe look up an actor or something like that. But I, I've really tried, been trying to go with, I've been you know. trying to let our listeners do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Keep, us, keep, us fact, keep us in line, you know. Right. It makes it more interactive. <laughs> well, I thought it was interesting that uh, for the next episode, the very first note I had was, this is next generation's devil in the dark. And it's funny because the note that's in the companion, very first thing they've got here is uh, this is next generation's devil in the dark. Huh. I thought, oh, that's pretty, you know, that's nice. Uh, uh, what do you call it? Verification or whatever. I thought that was pretty cool. Are we ready to go on to the next one? I say we take a five minute break. All right. And then we come back with the devil in the dark. But that not. means he's going to go pee, folks. That is exactly what I'm going to do. <laughs> Ha <laughs> 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 
Hey, we're back and uh, I'm feeling a lot lighter and uh, happier <laughs> at this point. And we are ready to go on to the second mind-blowing episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. Next time on Star Trek The Next Generation. Data's in the hydraulics room alone and we're hearing laser blasts. An invisible enemy attacks. What is it? Could it be alive? And a small but powerful life force is unleashed. Evacuating lab. Now it's growing. This keeps up, it'll tear up the Enterprise. And declaring war on the crew. It has the power to destroy this ship and everybody on it. On Star Trek, the next generation. And here to read the the comprehensive and wonderful synopsis, Mr. Scott Gardner. Boy, Ryan and I got synopsis all over my shirt. Ew. <laughs> Home Soil is the name of this one. Aired the week of February 22nd, 1988. I home soiled <clears throat> my pants. <laughs> the Enterprise is asked to check up on a remote terraforming station on Valera 3 that is working to transform the supposedly lifeless planet. That's what... Why the hell did they say that's what terraforming is? All right, anyway... But during the visit, they, I mean, seriously, they say terraforming station. Then it says that it's working to transform the supposedly lifeless planet into a fertile heaven. And it's like, oh, come on. <sighs> Not everybody know knows what terraforming is. I guess. But during the visit, an engineer is mysteriously killed when the laser drill in the hydraulics room goes berserk. Minutes later, Data narrowly avoids the same fate because they're fucking stupid and turn the machine back on when he's standing right there. That was dumb. Anyway, as he and LaForge check it out, they discover what comes to be uh, com- comes to be called a microbrain. This unusual <laughs> inorganic entity. We know all about that. <laughs> <laughs> I think we had social studies taught to us I by a microbrain. I had a doctor who used that when he was talking to me. <laughs> this unusual inorganic entity is a real life form native to the planet. As Dr. Crusher and Data investigate the aliens... The tiny being declares war on the humans by pumping and desalinating the Valerian's narrow subsurface water ecosphere. The terraformers were killing its race. The power it draws is strong enough to deflect the ship's transporter beam. Finally, it is deduced that the microbrain is photoelectric and a shutdown of power weakens it enough so that it can be sent home. In doing so, Picard's crew promises to abide by the Valerian's request for no UFP contact for 300 years. The planet is quarantined. That's kind of a crappy uh, synopsis. I have to be honest with apologies to the author. Um, I got to say, I like this episode. I like it a lot. I thought it was uh, I thought it was good. I thought it was really uh, uh, well, uh, one of the, the top notch style that i like this is this is one of the a-grade shows and it's one of it's this one um when it first came out this idea was a pretty neat and pretty uh you know brand new idea and i and everybody remembers ugly bags of mostly water yep i mean i you know i don't know how many nerds have called somebody else an ugly bag of mostly water at some point or or (laughs) used it as a reference to have somebody go what are you talking about well that's actually what we are are ugly bags of mostly water especially you (laughs) but um especially your mama but um (laughs) yeah i thought uh, 
this one was a great I this is another one this is this is what I think sort of is you know the old Star Trek was more on the action this is your typical you know sci this is a sci-fi story you know this is it's got its action it's got a you know a couple people getting killed in it but it's mostly about how a different form of life can exist very much like the devil in the dark you know a, yep. a, a creature based on a different form not a carbon based and I also thought this, that this was a little bit like um, Encounter at Farpoint the, the pilot episode yes where, where you had a uh, an entity on a planet that was getting getting the short end of the stick because somebody was profiting off it or or not really profiting but he was fulfilling his obsession to terraform a planet you know right basically doing the lot you know it would mean he he sort of knew that there was life there but he wasn't going to scrap his life's work you know on the suspicion that there was the planet was a giant brain so right. They're, well, they're, they're stupid little. They're stupid little light bulbs. Who cares? Kill yeah. them. Let's let's get on with this terraforming thing. Yeah. But I all like they the, were was little blinky fiber optic lights. You know, I mean, <laughs> who cares? But Kill I like them. the idea that there was a layer of saline that that transmitted like you know neuro neurotransmitters. Neuro neutralizer. No. Saline layer. But uh, <laughs> I'll take any opportunity <laughs> to do Van Gelder, <laughs> and and I'll just have the fans know that I just I was watching interviews with Trey Parker and Matt Stone, and after when Scott and I wind up tonight, I will be watching from way back in the second season of South Park. They did an episode that's uh, a parody of uh, Dagger of the Mind. <laughs> So I can't I can't wait to get to that. So I'm gonna just yeah I'll be even after the show's done I'll still be Star Trekking tonight at Van the, Gelderen. Uh, <laughs> the, the author of this book did not like this episode, but he does agree with you. He says about the best thing this episode has going for it is an ex- explanation of terraforming and the Valerian's name for humans: ugly bags of mostly water. <laughs> But he didn't. He didn't like this. Calls it a lackluster show. I I liked it. I thought it was a good one. I thought it had some good stuff in it. Um, I like the computer graphics of of the crystal creature as it was dividing, and I thought yeah. that looked really neat. And at the time, it looked even neater. It was even more advanced when it first came out. But I think it holds up. As I a thought, lot of the computer graphics don't hold up in next generation. There's something going on. With the the girl terraformer though, either she was badly dubbed or just a bad actress. But when she's talking and given the terraforming thing, it just something was off with that whole yeah. scene. Her, you know, I I couldn't quite put my finger. I, no, it really th- struck me like she was she was horribly dubbed by somebody else. Well, or I think in both productions of the last episode and this one. I noticed, like I would say, there was a weird shot, a weird cut of Wesley Crusher that didn't really match in the last one. And this one had a shot several times of the laser drill. Right. There was a still photo. Yes. 
and you know you can you can tell you can see that lifeless quality of the still photo it's 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 a picture of the drill and the drill isn't moving but it's not you know the eye doesn't you know the eye still takes it as a still photo especially since everything's moving on either you know in the shots right. before and after it which leads me to believe that like maybe there was some footage that didn't come out and they were like god damn what are we going to do well we got that one shot of the you know of the laser drill we could take a still of that and just cut that in you know and hope nobody notices and uh you know at the same time maybe you know the boom guy was you know on crack that day and didn't get her, <laughs> her dialogue so they had to loop it all in afterwards uh, if anybody in. actually that worked on these shows ever listens to us they must love our wild speculations about you know no, I'm sure they're going, the oh, set. shit, how did he know I was on crack? <laughs> yeah, that's it. I got kicked it's out nice of the to union see, for uh, nice to see that uh, mullets have evolved into space mullets in the 24th century. Sure. That, that one dude sporting one through the whole episode. All right, I got to ask, why Why did Tasha need to beam up with the injured guy, that, the one that eventually expires? What, what's the point with that? He's beaming directly to sickbay. He doesn't need your atoms to accompany his atoms up to the enterprise. Right. I just right. totally didn't understand. Plus, she's the security chief. Right. So you're leaving the rest of the landing party down there without any security. It just didn't make any sense to me. I thought that was goofy. Um, you know what? The, the comparisons with Devil in the Dark are very apt because Jordy and Data are ordered by the captain to go down and investigate. Did you notice that they conduct their entire inspection in the dark? It just made no sense to me whatsoever. And you've they, just they, got the visual element of those holes going off into the rock that's very devil in the dark. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's... I, I guess that's ultimately how they're able to see these things and discover that there's something down there doing blinky lights. Maybe if the lights weren't on, they would have never been able to see them. But that, it still begs the question, when you walk into a dark room why in the hell wouldn't you turn the light on? It's just silly. They're supposed to be conducting an investigation. You know, I mean, when, when the CSI team comes to investigate a crime scene, they don't not turn the lights on. Right. You know, it's right. just, that's just goofy. Um, There's a story here somewhere. Maybe they did that so it wouldn't, maybe it was because they didn't want it to be photo electronic at that point so uh, yeah they didn't know that yet they hadn't even no, discovered I'm saying the writers did that so they was like uh -oh. they're like somebody watching this for the second time would be like look at all that light there the thing could have just fried them you know but i guess no it's in the dark it didn't fry them because it didn't have enough energy because it was in the dark or whatever i don't know i think it, it was probably more or less a mistake I I'm think it's supposed to, to look creepy or something, you know, yeah, when it's yeah. you know it's eerie or something because it's in the dark. But it just it, it's one of those things you see in in movies and TV a lot of times where, you know, yeah, I can understand from the filmmaker perspective that it makes this shot look moody or creepy or whatever. But from a logic standpoint, turn the fucking light on. Yes. You know, it's like nobody. No woman alone by themselves walks down into a dark basement. I'm sorry, this never happens in the real world. The first thing you do is fumble for the light switch, you know? And it's kind of the same principle working here, you know? 
if you're sent down to find clues to solve the Scooby-Doo mystery, turn the friggin' light on. <laughs> Come on. It's just stupid. Um, there's got to be a story here. There's a part, I think it's Riker. I forget. Somebody, no, I know what it is. It, it's down in engineering. Uh, there's an ensign working down there and she discovers something. The, the Frabble what's it's on the Fritz or something. And she calls up to the bridge and says, and I noticed this happens a lot in this episode where somebody calls somebody else and says, you better get down here. That happens at least like five times in this episode. Anyway, she calls Riker and says, you better get down here. Shit's going down. And he calls her ensign when he gets down there. This woman is easily in her fifties, if not older. <laughs> <laughs> there's a story there somewhere how do you get to be a freaking ensign and you're in your like 50s or 60s yeah, she was a housewife and she got bored of the <laughs> boozing boring husband and says fuck this shit I'm joining Starfleet right. I'm having a saw midlife the... crisis <laughs> she saw the billboards join Starfleet see the universe she thought yeah my life's been wasted raising the kids I'm gonna yeah. go off and the kids are all, the kids all are all off at college they don't need me anymore I'm 50 years old and I can kick I can kick. See, I still got. Some I told you. Vinegar. See, there's a story in there. I'm telling yeah. you. That's all I got. You know, I always, That's... always, always feel horrible that I have so much more to say when I think an episode stinks than when I like an episode. It always makes me feel bad. It makes me feel like I'm, I'm just not bringing the positivity or something. But yeah, there's only so many ways that you can say, "Hey, I really liked this episode," and uh, I really liked this episode. I thought this was another, this was another, I think at this point in the first season, although, you know, I, I it's a, probably a mistaken conjecture to make that because they didn't film these episodes in, or, or write them, you know, the production wasn't in the, the airing order. But, you know, just like the last one, Troy is like semi, you know, saying things that are just, so, you know, she's doing things that sort of, semi justify her character in her position in a starship but i just don't think who, the writers still have any real clue as to what to do, really do with her character you know what i mean the only time they seem to have anything to do with her character is when the whole storyline revolves around her when she's just an auxiliary character it's sort of like you know they go and they look at her description and it's like Troy's a psychic empath, pain in the ass, you know, and and master of the obvious. And then they say, okay, so they throw in a couple, you know, at the beginning when they confront whatever the trouble is, somebody's invariably going to go, counselor, what do you think? And she's going to say, I sense that there's some sort of story conflict coming, Captain, and... You know, and he'll go, ah, I see. Yes, that's right. We have still have 37 minutes left in this episode. So they must be hiding something. So <laughs> uh, 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 just another example of that. But otherwise, yeah, I really like this episode, too. And I remember when I was this was one that I was watching and it all came back to me. And I was like, oh, yeah, I remember this one. Mm -hmm. And uh, although. I, I remembered the crystalline entity growing and I remembered the ugly bags of mostly water, but I didn't remember them together. For some reason, I always pictured ugly bags of mostly water coming from a spaceship, you know, that they were looking at on the bridge. So I, I don't know. 
you know, I didn't remember that much of it, but once it got going, it was like, oh yeah, I remember. And then, because I remember seeing that crystal going, oh that that's right, and it splits and starts, you know, doing the uh, exponential growth thing. And I'd forgotten about the solar part of it too. Although, man, that thing's a wimp. They didn't have to turn off the lights very long before it was like, okay, I give. <laughs> all right, all right. I'll, I'll negotiate. <laughs> but, yeah, I liked it. I, I, I thought it was a, a classic. Was there, was there any Wesley Crusher in this one at all? Let me think. Let me think. I don't seem to remember any at all, or if he was in it, it's, it was at a minimum. I, you know, I, I, that's weird. I just watched it too. I, I don't remember if there was, it wasn't, you know, right. It, it was like, he didn't annoy me enough to remember it. So yeah, he, it's like, Wesley, go back to your room. Yes, mom. Something like that, you know? Right. It's yeah. surprising too, because this is the kind of story they typically would put him into, you know, where he could, he could use his geekiness to try to, right. you know, solve the situation or something like that. But I, I don't, I don't remember him being in this one. Oh, That's probably you know, why I liked it. You know the scene that I really love in this one is uh, where... When those girls get naked? Yeah, and they start making out. Yeah, that was excellent. Oh, wait, no, wait. That was that thing I was watching on the internet before. That's funny. I was watching that thing on the internet before, too. Huh, what a coincidence. Um, anyway. Anyway. Um, <laughs> what was I saying? Oh, yeah, there was a part of the TV show Two that girls I liked. Were that was it, right? And uh, it was where they where they had the crystalline entity. I'm just gonna pretend you're not talking. And uh, it was, it, it you know they 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 try to they try to quarantine it and they or they they, they try to do something. They're they're getting ready to ru- haul ass out of the room and quarantine it. And you can hear it start to like <laughs> laser together, the guy that's <laughs> well. It's starting to put together English. No, this is when they have it up on the oh, Enterprise. Yeah, yeah. It's starting right. to go blah, 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 just getting ready to like start insulting them, but it's just gibberish at first as it's quickly learning to right. make English noises. And I like that. I thought that was really cool where they all run out. And it's funny because at that point, everybody's sort of looking. Wesley is in there because everybody's sort of looking at Wesley at that point and going. What's going on? And he was just like, you know, it's trying to communicate. He was the one who was getting. So Wesley is in this one, but he he's just sort of. He's just sort of the one who's a little bit ahead of, the rest of the crew in understanding it. So. Yeah, but I like that scene. I like that scene where the thing's starting to talk. I thought that played out right. really well, and I love how they're all. They're running out before it actually, you could actually see it happening. I love stuff like that where it's, you know, most TV shows would keep you in the room until it was starting to go humans, puny humans. So you would, <laughs> so it would really pound home what was happening. But this one just like lets it go, lets it go on the run and lets you put, well, they knew nerds were watching, so they figured we'd figure it out. <laughs> so. Yeah. And they were right. And they were right. But that's about all I can think of on uh on that one. And yeah, once again you're 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 totally right. I have I like this one a lot better than the last one and therefore I have less to say about it. 
don't know. It's it's just the sad reality, and I, I I've discovered it's not just us either. I hear other other podcasters that uh, that struggle with that as well. That it's just you know, for one thing, it's just more fun to rip on something when it's horrible or or when it's just you know not not up to your liking or whatever. But it is. It's a challenge when you do like it, you know. And, and typically, to I've say noticed anything other than oh, I yeah. really, you know what else was cool? That part. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. Well, that about wraps us yeah. up. Next time, we have got an episode I really don't remember called Coming of Age. Looks like another Wesley-centric story. God nice. damn it. And then we've oh, got that's one. that's the one where Wesley's, yeah, discovers masturbation. I do not need to see that. And we've got one that uh, I'm going to go out on a limb because I, re- I do remember this. I'm hoping it still holds up. I'm going to go out on a limb and say this is a great episode. It's called Heart of Glory. It was the uh, the first Worf-centric episode, and I remember really liking this one. So uh, hopefully it'll hold up, and we'll be talking about those next time around. And I'm going to stay up all night tonight editing porn scenes of girls making out into all my Star Trek The Next Generation episodes. To Sweet. make sure that I enjoy every single episode from here on out. <laughs> at least at least from here on out, I'll be able to say, well, at least there was that 10, 15-minute part where the girls were making out. I'm telling you, dude, two girls, one data. Could be an internet <laughs> sensation. <laughs> Did you know you can sponsor an episode of this or any other of your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated shows? That's right. Simply click the PayPal link on our website, donate any amount at all, tell us which show you're choosing and what message, if any, you'd like us to read on your behalf, and you will be an official sponsor of that show's very next episode with your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy. And there is no minimum donation. Be a show sponsor today. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.libson.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. Libsyn is spelled L-I-B-S-Y-N. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Join our forum at forumforgeeks.com where you can discuss all of the shows on our feed with us and your fellow listeners. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. And hey, you can friend me, Scott Gardner, on Facebook too. My name is spelled S-C-O-T-T-G-A-R-D-N-E-R. You can friend me on Facebook too, if you can find me. Now available, Two True Freaks t-shirts. See our website for details. Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check that out at www.comicspodcast.com, where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up. We are also members of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. 
For more information, visit comicbooknoise.com league. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. Future Freaks has been brought to you today by Damanzo Corps of Milan, Italy, and by the letters F and U.